Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time we have to gather in peace in your, to hear from your word. And Lord, we pray that you would give us your grace uh, to not only hear, but to receive all that you have for us. We ask this for your sake, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. So on vacation this year, I got to go on one motorcycle trip. And my friend Peter and I were able to go down to Campobello Island, and, and it was great. But, you know, when I told Rachel that I was leaving, she was a little concerned. And she said, uh, do you think you could take a picture of me so you won't forget me? And I said, absolutely. So I, I, she held up her birds, too, because they are very important to remember. And uh, so I took the picture, got packed up, and I went down to spend the night at my mom's in St. John, and I opened up the picture so that I wouldn't forget my daughter. And I burst out laughing. Can you see why? Kimberly photobombed the picture. She stuck her face in there. And, uh, you know, when I first took the picture, I'm like, oh, that's a cute little picture of Rachel. But when you see the photobomb, it's hard to not see it, right? There's some really great photobombs online if you want to take a look. And uh, I just, I burst out laughing. And now every time I see it, I'm looking at Rachel, or Kimberly more than I am at Rachel. And that's just... That's great. Sometimes when people look at a photobomb or they're part of a photobomb, they wonder how are people going to react when they see it. And some people are delighted. I was delighted with this. Other people are annoyed. They don't like it. And they liked the picture better when they saw less of it. A lot of the disciples that Jesus had following him around were there maybe because they were genuinely interested Maybe they were there because they were hungry. Maybe they were there just because they wanted healing. But when they saw the picture more clearly as to who Jesus was, they weren't delighted. They were disgusted. And on that day, they turned away. This morning, I'd like us to look at this passage from John and see what was it that Jesus was really trying to say here. And, uh, and then we can... Um, and then we can uh, look at how is it possible for us to even have faith. And that's the end of the sermon slide, so we're good to go. Okay. <laughs> so whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. So let's start today's sermon with acknowledging the elephant in the room. There is no way that Jesus' teaching here will fit into our COVID operational plan. We just cannot eat people, okay? We can't drink their blood either. It's not sanitary. So let's just acknowledge that right away. We can't be doing that. What was Jesus actually trying to say here? One of the things that we have to acknowledge is that he's equating himself with manna, that, that mysterious bread that sustained the Hebrew people as they left Egypt and entered into the promised land. Jesus is saying, I am the one who sustains you. And it's weird because the Greek word is actually to munch, right? He's saying, you need to munch on me. You need to eat me. And this is really hard for us to, to get our minds around. But if you were uh, in Israel in Jesus' day hearing this as Jesus spoke it, 
you would say, well, this is sounding an awful lot like a sacrifice. Because the sacrificial system was you took a lamb or you took a, an oxen or, and you go to the temple and you, you slaughter it and you offer the blood up and then you would have a barbecue. That's what it was like. That's what church was like. That's why we have potlucks today. It's because of the sacrificial system. Uh, and, and so what happened is that the, the, the basic understanding was we have cut ourselves off from God. This animal is going to pay the price for us. And then we're going to have table fellowship with the Lord. And that was a symbol to say we're going to have life with Yahweh. It's a beautiful thing. And Jesus was basically saying here, I am laying my life down and it's, my death will be for your benefit so that you can have fellowship with God, not just temporarily, but eternally. That's how he was doing it. And earlier in, in the gospel, you see John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God, right? the one who takes the sins away from the world. Now here's where Jesus departs from the Old Testament tradition because time and time and time again, it says, Do not consume blood. Do not consume blood. Blood was used to purify things and to purify people by sprinkling it, but you would never, ever drink it. So what is going on here? If you look back in 2 Samuel chapter 23, there's this really small, touching story. It's one of those instances where you get angry at King David. Because he, uh, the Philistines have taken over Bethlehem, and he's sitting out there with his soldiers, and he's longing for peace. And he says out loud, oh, if I could just have a cup of water out of the well from Bethlehem. And three of his mighty soldiers say, all right. And they sneak off, get behind enemy lines, get into Bethlehem, draw water from the well, and make their way back. And they give the cup to the king. And David is humiliated. These mighty men risked their lives for him, and they gave him this cup of water. What does he do with that cup? He pours it out on the ground. And he says, I will not drink of the blood of these men who acted so courageously. Now, that's weird, right? The king said something, people went out for him, risked their lives, brought it back, and he wouldn't receive the offering. So, what Jesus may be saying here is, I am the one who's putting my life on the line for you. And you must receive it. You must receive it because you need me. Now we're going to look at what this means as a sacrament later. But right now Jesus is basically saying, you have no life apart from me. Let me sustain you. Let me rescue you. But on hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And if aware of his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said, does this offend you? And how are you going to react when you see me for who I really am? I read a saying recently that said, nothing demoralizes good employees more than when the boss tolerates and rewards bad employees. Nothing immoralizes good employees more than when a boss tolerates and rewards bad employees. I love the fact that Jesus did no backpedaling here. 
oh, they didn't get it. Let me approach it this way. No, he says, this is the truth. You need me. And I can't change that. And he doesn't change that. He just lets them go. It's a beautiful thing. There are true and false disciples, and the difference is where are we trying to put Jesus in our lives? Is Jesus sort of a nice, helpful guide over here um, that we can take or leave? Or is Jesus the center of who we are? This is no different then than it is today. Is Jesus the center of who we are? Is he the one we are seeking to pursue? Jesus goes on to say, and this is really important, that this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. One of the heart, I, I was at, um, uh, I went home, I went, <laughs> I went to where we call home yesterday to bury my aunt, uh, my aunt Linda. And we were, we were standing around the grave, it was a graveside service, and Pastor Chris was there doing the ceremony and, um, and I just see, <laughs> my sister came up to me and she said, this is the only uh, committal I've ever been to where beer was being distributed. <laughs> and I said, no, it's not my first rodeo. Uh, there was a sense of hopelessness there for a lot of people. But Chris said, uh, one of the things he said is that people look at graveyards and they see a place of death. And they see it as, as kind of a creepy place and that's always depicted in Halloween pictures and stuff like that. He said, for the Christian, the cemetery is where the party's going to happen. This is a happy place and this is just getting us geared up for that happy day when death is finally defeated. When I think about my family, I really hope they heard that message and that God enabled them to receive that message. If there's people in your lives that are just they're sort of a burden and you're aching for them to know. Remember, it's not the argument. It may, it's not even your witness. It's the enabling of God to receive those things. So be faithful in your witness. Give good arguments. But remember, it is the Holy Spirit, it is the will of the Father that allows us to come to him in faith. So let's trust in that. I am rambling here. Okay. Last year, from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Last year during COVID, there was a handful of really high, um, highly known Christian leaders that left the faith. Um, you know, people from Hillsong, and there's a, a teacher down in, in, uh, in New York somewhere. They're just pretty popular people, and they left. But they didn't just leave. They said, in light of the suffering of the world and this issue and that issue and this issue, I can see now that my faith was stupid and I regret my time here in the church. Sayonara. And they took people with them. And in light of that, uh, there's, a, there's a Christian rock band lead, leader named uh, Ken Stortz and he wrote an article that was entitled, uh, What the Hell is Wrong with the Church? And he was basically saying to these leaders that left, why would you take your doubts and smear them everywhere? Why wouldn't you pray? Why wouldn't you read a book? Because there's nothing happening to the church today that hasn't been happening for 2,000 years. And people have been wrestling and struggling with doubt and the problem of evil for a long time. Why not go to them? And in his critique, he said, you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. In many ways, this has been a very discouraging year, right? 
with missing one another and not being able to gather in the way that we used to. And on top of that, in this building alone, there was a lot to discourage us, right? The, the alarm system went off all the time for no reason, right? So we were like, what is going on with us? You're getting called every two or three days because someone was breaking into the church. Uh-uh. And then that light right up there underneath the projector, the battery went. And the alarm went off for that at very unfortunate moments of deep prayer and intimacy. Eh, eh, eh. It's like the alarm getting you out of bed. And then to top it all off, a mouse died somewhere over there and it stunk like really bad. So there was COVID and then the building is falling apart around us. If our hope was in this place, I would have walked away. I might have even walked across the road. But then the, the mold is there. So the, where is our hope is the point. Where is our hope? Our eyes have got to be on Jesus. What kept the 12 there? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we know that and have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus is the one to whom we must cling. Very quickly, as Anglicans, we celebrate communion almost every week. And we recognize the Eucharist as a sacrament. Do we know what a sacrament is? Right? In the prayer book, it says it's an outward sign and physical sign of an inward grace or reality. And so the outward sign for the Eucharist is the bread and the wine. But the inward reality is that we are receiving Jesus into our lives more fully. When we receive, I know a lot of folks, when they receive the communion, they say, Amen. That means so be it. Because I say, the bread of heaven given for you, or the body of Christ given for you, and you say, Amen. Let this be so. I believe. And it's by faith that we receive this truth. An Anglo-Catholic that I, I once knew said that when we celebrate communion, we have the visible words of Christ that we are receiving into ourselves. John Lowndes says, you are what you eat. The sacraments are for our benefit, they're for our healing. And so today as we celebrate communion, as we gather around the table of the Lord, I want to encourage us all to acknowledge those places in our lives where we're like, we're discouraged. Or maybe we're looking at the wrong thing. And we can say that, Jesus, today as I receive you in this sacrament, please fulfill my need. Shape me, form me, give me faith that I may witness to your love in this world. I think a lot of ink has been spilt trying to explain what the Eucharist is. I think it's enough to say that Jesus said, do this in memory of me. Bring him present into our midst and allow him to do his ministry in us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you were the one that laid your life down on the line for our benefit. You are the one that enables eternal life with the Father. So we pray today that, that you would give us faith to cling to you. Help us to fix our eyes on you and our hope in you so that we would never be disappointed but would be ready and willing and able 
to testify to the light that you are in our lives. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you're able, I would invite you to stand.